I guess it's about time, Shannon, we did a uh, postseason wrap of uh, the National Hockey League. Is it over? <laughs> Apparently, it is. <laughs> and 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 we all know you know that it's over. Um, so it was we're long, get... man. It was long. Even for a guy like me, it was long. Well, we're going to talk about it. I mean, you know, can it, should it be shorter? And uh, we'll address it. Mike Zeisberger of NHL.com. Kevin Paul DuPont of the Boston Globe will uh, join us as they get ready for summer. Yeah. Right. Uh, although guys who cover hockey, you know, there's, as, as we say, you know, and if you're really, if you're, if that's your dedication in your profession, the season really never ends. No. You try and sneak in a week or two of vacation, but there's always stuff to do. And there's a lot of stuff coming that's, up. In hockey. That's, that's August, Bob. That's yeah. August. Well, we're going to talk, we're going to talk about it. Uh, back with those two characters after these messages. It is almost July, and the NHL season has finally, finally come to a conclusion. Remind me why, Shannon, this was the longest year in the history of long years. Well, uh, there were some COVID issues, which they had a pause before Christmas, if you recall. And uh, there was supposed to be an Olympic break in the middle, uh, in addition to a, a season that started probably 10 days later than normal in order to accommodate the two national new national rights holders in the United States. So that got us to, you know, what is it? The, the, the cup was given out on the 26th of June. Um, to discuss this and other issues, Mike Zeisberger, Kevin DuPont. Did, I mean, you guys are hockey guys. This is what you do. Um, I am only subjected to it from time to time because of my relationship with Mr. Shannon. Yay. Was this, <laughs> which may not last that long. Uh, <laughs> was this a painfully long season DuPont or was, uh, do you like this stuff? Would you, do you like hockey 12 months a year? No, no, no. Everything in its time for me. I, I, if, if I were commissioner, the whole thing would be over no later than Memorial day here. So May 25th, May 26th, It'd be a 74-game schedule. They'd start it around October 5 or 6. Uh, the only reason I tolerated it this year or found it tolerable this year, first of all, working backward, two excellent teams in the final, and it, it, it lived up to the billing. And, and also, given how these last two, the previous two seasons were disrupted, uh, I, I gave it that emotional string to let it play out. So, But, no, normally I'd be – 74 games end by Memorial Day Oof. on the baseball. I'm going to, I'm going to file some nomination papers for you. <laughs> I'm a, you're the new commissioner, Kevin Paul DuPont. You, th you, you think, I mean, I, I know the revenue, the revenue would drop by, let's do the quick math, 10%, right? The gross revenue from C, but big deal. 74 players in better, conceivably players in better shape season with more context. Uh, more focus, all of it. Z, you there? Oh, yeah. I'm just, I'm just listening. And hey, hey, don't let the facts get in the way of a good argument because uh, <laughs> you know, last year the cup was awarded in July. The year before it was awarded in August. But you guys go ahead and talk and bitch about how long the season is because we know the last three of has asterisks. Asterisks. Uh, don't worry, I'll uh, my my tongue will stop being chewed upon in a second. But. Um, no, I, I look at if it was normal and what are we talking about going back to 2019? Uh, I agree. I mean, even early June, if it's a regular season, uh, this would not be. And as far as bringing uh, baseball on, I mean, a, a sport which uh, I covered in the past and I do like at points, but, uh, you know, I'm in Denver watching game five and one of the most electrifying games that I've seen in hockey in a long, long time. It was so wonderful to be there and to, to watch it. And I'm looking on my phone and meanwhile, uh, the Jays are playing in Milwaukee and their starting pitcher has thrown 40 pitches in the first inning and the Brewers got one run and I'm looking going, yeah, yeah. Okay. You guys think that that's exciting. Uh, please give me some toothpicks to hold my eyelids open. Okay. <laughs> well, so, that's, but that you, as usual, you hockey pucks, you know, you're so defensive <laughs> of this game. Not defensive, just being honest. 
Well, but that the question wasn't whether the season was any good. The question was whether the season was abnormally long. Well, we could I mean chronologically, it was the longest regular season in there NHL history by 15 days. And then then it was the the traditional 60 days of playoffs or 50 56 days of playoffs. You guys and, have heard of the pandemic, haven't you? Just yeah, yeah. You know the thing that kept me in well, bed ten days last <laughs> month. That that. But hey, but, who am I to say anything about it? Well, get your shots, and then you'd be healthy. Oh, well, I had my shots. Believe me, I thought about what it would have been like if I hadn't had my shots. Well, yeah. clearly you didn't have enough. <laughs> hey, maybe, maybe one to the head would have been better. <laughs> Bob, I asked, please, ma'am, can I have another? They wouldn't give it to me. <laughs> You're not old enough, like Bob or me. That's all. <laughs> well, but here's what's interesting about what uh, KP said there. Um, I was like part two of the argument after the, you know, the, the, the generic discussion about how long the season was, was could this possibly motivate this league to even have a conversation about reducing schedule? And we all know that that is extremely unlikely. No, no, not a chance. Like, well, it's extremely unlikely. How about no? Yes. I get it. I get it. And, and it, Survey it, all says, comes, and... <laughs> it all comes down to economics. We get that. But is there any reason to believe that if this suggestion of reducing the schedule by 10%, which is essentially what you did there, KP, right? Right. But, yeah. From 80, 82 to 74, 10%. If you went to the Players Association and said, look, we'll give you a 74 game schedule. All you got to do is reduce everything by 10%. <laughs> uh, is there an argument to be made there? If you're a player in the national hockey league, does that make any sense to you? No, not one. No. Remember these guys well, actually love, curious. they actually love playing the game. Well, hang they on. Love Kevin, playing Kevin the is game. about to, tentatively i think agree with me no i do i i mean i i it, it, first of all if you want to go to the pa and have a substantive argument then you deal with a different percentage on 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 hockey related revenue you, i i think you could engage them if all of a sudden instead of 50 50 i'll use a percentage it was 55 percent to the players that would get their <laughs> ear because yeah, there's ten percent on the vig that you could say. Well, we're getting a little more of the dough, and we get to we 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 have less we have less risk of injury, long term wear injury, especially. Look at the goalies now with these labrum tears. Uh, look at look at if you will, ordinary position players with labrum tears. So it's it, it's it, it that's nothing new. That that whole idea of reduce schedule, preserve health, much better. Uh, but that, that's, that's the, if you will, the fulcrum where you could have a discussion with these people about, it's all about money, as you said, Bob. Well, if we're off Fantasy Island now, which other pro sports are, are making seasons? None. But seasons the NHL smaller. doesn't have to follow all the time, Z. Sometimes you lead. And, and well, each sport, they don't each... call it, what? it the, the, the World Series goes into November. They play 162 games. And now they're going to have like a one game play in. Like that makes a lot of sense. Oh, they got more than play. that now. It's three games. No, it's a three, it's a three game, game play. Three game series. Oh, no, boy. They oh, might, yeah, might they've, go for December. They've the added NFL, games. The Super Bowl used to be the third, fourth week in January. And now it's deep into February. So all I'm saying, and I'm not saying that hockey has to do it uh, the way everybody else does, but nobody's reducing the length of their seasoning or seasons. They're lengthening them. That's yeah. just that's just the reality of the economics right now. Well, the part I guess I don't understand, and maybe it's because there's an um, an age situation here. I mean, we're four guys who have been around a fair length of time and still doing what we do and have always done. Hockey players, athletes in general, are done by the time they're 35. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's a big factor in this. But I'll tell you, the last deal I did when I was with Rogers, um, I ba- I took no pay increase, even though I was absolutely okay, 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 and I took more time off, and 
there is there is a, a, an advantage to that. Now, is that advantage percept, perceptible to a 25-year-old? Maybe not. Um, maybe you have to be of a certain age to value time as opposed to money. You know, it, it, there, is there a guy here who would whose life would change, a player in the NHL or any sport, whose life would change if they took a 10% pay cut? Any anybody? Well, I, I'm sure that there. I'm sure that the the guys that are on a minimum salary contract, which I think will be seven hundred and seventy five thousand this year, would now make seven hundred instead. How how and, is their and, life going to change? So so there and so their take. No, but here here's the issue, Bob. And, and you you said your last contract at Rogers was worth blank, and you took more time off. You're also in your sixties. This is a guy that's now 25 and is going to play for three more years. I acknowledge that. And and in theory, and in theory, because trust me, I, we've all heard it from players, they may never work again. They're actually building up their life savings so they don't have to actually have a paying job ever again in their life. So it's a it's a totally different mindset than what the three or four of us have ever been involved in it when it comes to earning a living. And being a competitor, to me, that's, I understand your logic. I just don't see it ever happening with professional oh, I athletes. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not pretending that it's, it's going to, but believe yeah. me, I know there's no chance of it happening. I just think we, we skim over this topic on a regular basis because of that fact. And, and I think it should be something that is being discussed. This conversation reminds me a lot of what we talk about during during lockouts and, and <laughs> yeah. discussions. And one thing that really never gets discussed enough, and, and again, this is a guy who's well into his 60s now and having watched it for, you know, professionally now for 45 years, is they never really center on physical health and mental health in these discussions. It's always about the dough and, and ringing and getting every last nickel out of the, yep. out of the, out of the sofa cushions. But rather than, rather than have agents and the PA, which is supposed yep. to be in charge of their health, sit down with them and school them and educate them on, listen, it isn't all, it is about the money, but, it, but it's, it's also about your mental health, your physical health, and your long-term, uh, if you will, care after your career. But, here, but, 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 hold, but hold on. I, I understand again what you're saying. Here, here's the two things. First of all, it's not a, an a, a owner's players union scenario anyway, because of that HRR you talked about. They're yeah. business partners. Absolutely. So, so the more the more money going into the players' pockets and the more money going into the owner's pockets, they both share. So, so the players are now encouraged to make more money, encouraged to play more games. That's why we're talking about a World Cup again. Mm-hmm. That's why we're talking about other business opportunities. Um, you know, and the other thing is, is the moment from in, in your argument, uh, Kevin, the moment a player retires from the National Hockey League, he is no longer a member of the union. Mm-hmm. And that's something they're trying to fix, too. Our friend Glenn Healy with the alumni is trying to create a little bit of a partner, a better partnership between the NHL alumni, the National Hockey League and the Players Association. And we're going to have to wait and see where that goes. I mean, you talk about it, and I'm sorry to get on a bit of a soapbox, but healthcare for a 40-year-old guy that's been out of the league for seven right. years, should he have it? Well, right. of course yeah. he should have it. Correct. But, but, but the Players Association did not negotiate that in the, next, in the last CBA. It did not happen because they don't care about you the moment you're gone. It's all about the 800 rank and file at the yes, moment. Yes, yes. Here's, here's the other thing, um, and they'll never say this, but, you know, they're not going to shrink the schedule because, look, there's attrition that goes on during a, a regular NHL season. So what happens if guys are on the DL? They bring up other guys. Those are more players making more money to replace the guys that are hurt. They'll never say, oh, that's – that's our mandate or whatever, but let's face it. They want as many players paid as they can get. So that's another reason they're not, they're not going to, they're, they're not going to look at, at shortening a season. 
could you look at it from a, you know, okay, so the Players Association is gonna, isn't going to motivate that conversation. Is there a reason why the owners should be motivating that conversation? Not when they have mortgages on their arenas and need, need yep. to pay bills that way. And they have, most of them have mortgages on their arenas. Most of them have debt to pay around their franchises. And yeah. now that ESPN and, and TNT are in there, the more they look, they want content. So the longer the season goes, okay? And then that's why a few years ago, all of a sudden the awards go to Vegas. And that's why, um, you know, they make a big ballyhoo about the draft because out of sight, out of mind, and they need content. And that's why they stretch this stuff out. Well, and, and, and let's also remember the league has tried to create, and, and, and I would listen, I was there for part of it. Um, we, and, and we, we called them tent poles how to keep the tent up and the tent poles, you know, it used to be the old days was the start of the season, the all-star game and the playoffs. Those were the three tent poles. It was yeah. a small tent. Uh, but then we, you know, then you added the outdoor game. Then you added two outdoor games. One year there was six outdoor games. They became more tent poles. Then you, then you did, you did start to build on the draft and free agency. And then well, don't regular, forget, sorry, what about the draft season, lottery? And then, season, yeah. And regular the trade season deadline. games in Europe. Regular season games in Europe. So the, they've tried and tried and tried. And none of this stuff shortens the season. No. None of it shortens. Well, all of it, gen all of it does what it's intended to do, and that's generate more money for, for everybody, theoretically. Or yeah. it attempts to do that. I'm just wondering, and I'm only thinking out loud here, if you reduce the schedule to 74 games, I wonder how much revenue you would actually lose. I'm going to guess if you reduce the schedule by 10%, you wouldn't lose anywhere near 10% of revenue. It's, it's funny you say that because remember, we, we used to always talk about, you know, we want to, uh, we want to make, get people closer to the ice. We want to put better situations in arenas. And they'd say, well, we'll take out the first row of seats. Well, really, you're not taking out the first row of seats. <laughs> you're taking, you're out, taking the out the last, last, row, the last row of seats. <laughs> and so the revenue isn't a drop of $1,000 a seat. It's the ones at $60 a seat you're going to reduce. So you're probably right, Bob. And the only thing that I would introduce here on this idea, and I was thinking as we were talking, is that if by going to 74, the play was that much better because you're dealing with fresher, if you will, fresher stock. And from a, from a fan aspect of, hey, there's only 74 games. So there's, in theory, there's more demand on the tickets because yep. there are fewer games, fewer tickets, demand goes up. Well, in the U.S., of course, up until Thanksgiving, in most states in the U.S., up until Thanksgiving, it's a challenge for the, where's my math these days, 25 U.S. teams to get people into the buildings for those six games. So if it's a shorter schedule, there's a premium, it's a better product, TV is better from the, from the puck drop, maybe this, this, this theoretical 10% drop in seat revenue isn't really that because TV's better, TV charges greater rates, more people are watching, and maybe it all does get mitigated. Well, I'll tell you where this, the motivation for this conversation was um, an article I read this morning that listed the numerous injuries of various seriousness that Tampa Bay dealt with in the postseason. Right. Now, I'm sure Colorado had boatloads of injuries too. Mm -hmm. just haven't read an article about it. And you start to think, well, how many, if any, of these injuries are caused by the length of the season and the stress that you place on your body, that these players are asked to place on their bodies over an extended period of time? And would reducing the schedule help that? And I don't think you can convince anybody that that's the truth. Well, here's what's interesting. Everybody talks about reducing the schedule. We're not talking about reducing the playoffs. We're talking about the regular season. Yeah. And all of these injuries really Well, but why aren't you reducing the playoffs? Revenue. It's the same answer for every question, John. Right. And, and, I, and, I, and I think that people would say, well, we're, we're, we'll, if we'd contemplate the regular season just as Kevin did. But Kevin's not compromising the seven – the four seven game series, are you, Kevin? No, no. I, 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 again, you have to be realistic. None of that's ever going to get it, it diminished, right? So there, there are only so many kind of parts you can, you know, you, you can pull out on this. But certainly, uh, the, the the frequency of injury, as Bob's talking about, 
many of those injuries weren't even uh, incurred dur- during the playoffs. They were, of course. they were carryover injuries from December, January, and February. The Bruins, have, they're not going to get uh, McAvoy back now for a long time, you know, into November, December. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marshan's injury is labrums that he that he he suffered all season. So again, a lot of this is how many years in the league. Some of it is that you get dinged up uh, in round two, but a lot of this stuff is long term stress and the inherent danger of the sport. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's it's you know maybe the board of governors can talk about it at the uh, meet their meeting for the Fantasy Island Hockey League, but none of this is ever going to change. <laughs> um, it's, it's the nature of the sport, rightly or wrongly. It's a sport that of the big four does not bring in the revenues that the other sports do. And so, and, and John knows that from working at the league, um, this stuff is great to talk about. It's never going to happen. Never. Yeah, to your point, Zee, if they <laughs> on that Fantasy Island board meeting, they'll come out and say, affirmed, 84 games. <laughs> well, if, if memory serves me, I, I believe the players the players association in the last five years did propose that sure in order to try to get more revenue is let's add games let's not subtract games let's add games yeah oh and it raises the question then do players look at it from the perspective I I'd rather play a game than go have a practice <laughs> oh, for, for sure oh, yeah and, oh, yeah. and and we know we know that's true well Bob look in football now like even in the off season. Um, I couldn't imagine being an NFL coach now where they tell you, they tell you how many practices you can have wearing pads. Could you imagine those old school coaches being told, no, 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 no. You can't have your team together uh, for more than a finite amount of times. And half of them, you can't even have them in equipment. Well, we also live in an age too, where there's a much greater likelihood for a player to go out and skate on his own. Yeah, practice on his yeah. own than uh, ever before. I mean, there, yeah. self-motivation has become part of the ethic of being a pro athlete. Right, you don't right. need a coach yelling and screaming at you, yes. you know, to get out on the ice. To and the we point. see it all the time. We see it in baseball. We see it in football, every, every sport, basketball. I mean, yeah. I just just watched, re-watched the, um, the Chicago Bulls Michael Jordan. Last doc. dance. Last dance. The last dance. Just rewatched it the last few days. And, you know, a, a theme throughout it all was the amount of time these guys actually go out and take yeah. and shoot baskets and practice really is fundamental is an hour a day, maybe. And these guys are on the court three, four hours. Yep. You know, and to circle it's, it's what to they circle do. back. To circle back to that point and bring it to, uh, you know, what just happened in the Stanley Cup final. So Nathan McKinnon, I talked to one of his minor league coaches, and this coach happens to be the guy that runs the skates in the Halifax, Coal Harbor area in the summer, where Brad Marchant, Sidney Crosby, and Nathan McKinnon skate every summer. And he said, you know, the three of them are friends. But they said the last the last drill that they do, um, you know, is kind of a puck pursuit challenge. And he says there are no friends out there when those three guys are going at it. They're pushing each other. And, you know, to uh, from from Kev City, I asked him, like, does Marshawn was Marshawn chirping McKinnon a bit? Because, I mean, Sid, we know, has three three Stanley Cup rings. Uh, We know that Marshawn has one. And I asked, well, does Marchant, uh, do they chirp McKinnon a bit because he has none? And they go, yeah, they do. And he gets pissed off about it. Not anymore. Not anymore. Exactly. But that just goes to show you there's no coach that could put a drill out there that would drive a player more than when he's out there with two other all-stars who are his friends that are chirping him and and say, because he he wants to knock them on their butt. And he wants to get what they have. And that's exactly what happened in the Stanley Cup final for Nate McKinnon. And, and you know what? To, to, just to go back to the original concept of what do you do to the, to the NHL season to, to make it more palatable? Because I, I, right now it's too long. Um, I, would re, I would reduce, and this is a very Canadian thing, 
I would reduce the preseason. Yes. You, you know, yes. Uh, you know, every team's allowed, I think maximum seven preseason games, but you know, most, most teams go six. Um, but preseason was, de- was designed to get players in shape. Well, that, uh, that's, I mean, every player comes yeah. in, in perfect shape now. So why not start the regular season Labor Day? Why not? Why not start playing hockey? Maybe not the fifth of September. But why not the fifteenth of September? Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree no. with that. And look, the National Football League did it, John. Well, the amount of exhibition games so they could lengthen their season. I would just like I would just like to get this thing over by the end of, end of May. That's all yes. I would like to do. Yeah, uh, but and I I think that would be the teams would push back at that so badly. They would, they don't want to lose the revenue for those home games. Uh, and they don't want to, in Kevin's country, they don't want to compete against the NFL and college football at any yeah. time. High school so the, football. And <laughs> you, you may be right. I mean, I, I remember sitting at a board of governors meeting where one president of a club suggested the season start November 3rd. <laughs> Because that was four less weeks that he had to compete with the NFL, and it did not go very far, and 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 but it, there was a bit more support for it than you'd you'd think. Yeah, but let me circle back now, John. You know, let's take those eight games that Kevin proposed we chop off the regular season. Let's take them out of uh, October, and and now you could start your season November first. And would there be an economic impact in a place that sells out all its games? Of course, but there are a whole crap load of places that don't sell a lot of yeah, tickets. But, but Bob, here's in October. Here's, here's the real issue: is is give me the top ten money making teams that generate generate dollars for hockey related revenue. Most of them are in Canada, and most of them, as you point point out, sell out every game. And if, as Mike can attest to, their schedules are front-heavy loaded. Yep. Because of that fact, because of that fact, the Leafs play, you know, Saturday. Well, that's Monday. all well and good, John, but it doesn't it doesn't defeat no, the, so, so, the point. The point is that there are reasons. If you dig deep enough, there are reasons to suggest that the reduction of the schedule would not have the mathematical impact that. You know, even I proposed at the beginning of 10%. I don't think it would be anywhere near 10%, and it might even be 1%. Well, I, as I said, I'd like to start – if we started the 15th of September with the regular season, I'd, I'd propose a 76-game schedule. We'd have the regular, you know, four rounds of seven-game series. We'd be done by Memorial Day for my pal Kevin or the Queen's birthday uh, or even the end of May, and life would be really, really good. Well, Life would that's, be really good. That's all well and good, but, but that's you know, Fantasy Island for uh, for Bob and for Bob and John. The, those, uh, you know, I, I'll let you put the adjectives in there. But for your former employers who erroneously hacked you guys out, um, you go into their offices and say, "Okay, broadcasters, uh, we're not starting till November 1st. How far would that go? Oh, it wouldn't go far. It would be a problem. It would be a problem. The real point there, though, is <laughs> I couldn't give a rat's ass what happens to them. Well, that's because they're still paying you longer than the Islanders paid. No, yet. no, no, they aren't. If they were paying me, I wouldn't have an opinion on it. <laughs> I can have an opinion. That now. would be a first. And I just <laughs> gave one. We got a break. We'll come back with more. Maybe we uh, can talk hockey. hockey. Can we talk hockey? Is there a chance we talk hockey? If you say anything interesting, which hasn't happened in a long time. (laughs) Back after these messages. McCowan, Shannon, Zeisberger, DuPont. Um, I really don't know what to say about the Stanley Cup final. Now we're two days after it's concluded. Did you know what to say yesterday? Not much. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't think so. I'll give you that. Um, It was pretty good hockey. Two really good teams yep. in two markets that uh, nobody cares about. Um, I haven't seen TV ratings. Um, I don't know what that means. I don't. I. I think. I think with all sports, the bigger the market, the bigger the audience, the bigger the revenue stream. And this was two small markets, relatively speaking, 
And uh, I'll, I'll bet you when all is said and done, the ratings will be disappointing. Am I wrong? See? The, the, only, the only the only math I have at hand here is Game Five of the conference final in uh, the, of the Cup final did a did a number forty percent better than the previous year. So forty percent is a big number. Uh, I, I think the number was five million viewers here in the U.S. Well, that's that's a pretty good number. That's pretty it's, good. It's ESPN, uh, you know, there's a lot of factors and good teams, all of that. Um, so. You know, I don't think we're ever, ever, ever going to see the, the numbers we see in these other sports. I, that, that's just that's the reality of it. As, as Look, good Bob, as I, I think that, uh, you know, yeah, you talk about them being small markets. I would kind of argue a little bit in terms of hockey that they've developed themselves into maybe media markets. But but what I think this Stanley Cup. They have final, no appeal. Yes. Z, Z, they have no appeal. On a national basis, on a casual basis. I'll tell you what, I think they have better appeal in Canada because we know the game so well. I think those two teams have better appeal in Canada but, than they well, would in I the United agree. States. But star, but star power, Bob, okay? If you get those people that are kind of in the gray area, okay? Mm-hmm. If, they're, if their home team isn't in there and it's kind of, do I want to watch or do I not want to watch? Well, you know, I mean, a couple, you know, we go back to 2019. So Kevin's Bruins have a lot of have a lot of attraction. The St. Louis Blues, um, they were a hell of a team, but there wasn't a lot of star power on that team. So you're not going to attract the kind of average fan. This had Stamkos and Hadman and and Kale McCarr and and Nathan McKinnon, and I really do think because of the star power that you got some of those people that were on the fence, even if they just watched one or two of the games. Um, that maybe tweak their interest, that maybe um, if you got one of those more grinding teams but wasn't as skilled, um, that you would have attracted from a matchup like that. But you're still dealing from a hockey purist point of view. Right. There's no uh, – all the names you mentioned, if you're a hockey purist, you know who they are and they may be attractive to you. But they are not – known outside of the uh, of, I mean of I, the think, hockey world. I think that's I think that's a really good point Bob because if you if you go to a a non-traditional hockey market let's and my favorite one to always talk about is Little Rock Arkansas if you go to Little Rock Arkansas how many hockey players do they know in Little Rock Arkansas one or two yeah one or two Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby and maybe Crosby that's I, was say, I was gonna say one of them is Bobby Orr yeah, yeah, you 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 may, you be, may be right, and that and scarily you may be right, Kevin. Yeah, that, that that might be their frame of reference. So my question to everybody here is: is is that the sport, or is that the marketing of the sport? Oh, this good. This goes see. This goes back to an argument Bob and I had last week. Because <laughs> I, I it it's at a certain point you you don't want to compromise and insult your hardcore fan. You don't because he's been with you thick or thin. But what at what expense do you do it in order to try to grow that audience? And that's that's why the ESPN deal particularly is so valuable to the NHL, because and, and, and I mean, don't, don't laugh at me. But after game six, they led Scott Van Pelt's show with hockey. And what was the number two story that night on ESPN Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt? College World Series. So. That's that, a drop. Yeah. What, what it is a well, drop. What does that tell us. you? But it what tells you really where tell you? It, it tells you where the audience and the focus of a sports fan in America is. No, it tells you that nothing else was going on, so hockey won by default. That's what it tells you. Well, no, because, no, because that the, the number game. two, the number two thing on. Do you think if there was a big baseball game, a big football, a big anything, anything on that the College World Series would have been ranked number two on the on the playlist? Not a nope. bleeping chance. No, you're no, you're probably right. My, my my point really is that the the audiences are so diverse, different well, than also, di- different different in, than in our country. You that also that becomes know this, a, a factor. You also know this to be true. If you are a rights holder, you you immediately move oh, that sure. sport up in your lineup. Oh yeah, by seventy five percent every night. Yeah, every night. No, no question. Uh, there's, you know, Sportsnet, 
spent $5 billion to buy the rights to hockey and hockey leads every night. The only time hockey doesn't lead. Huh? I thought they spent that on you. (laughs) Um, Almost, but they don't have to worry about me anymore. Uh, the only one that comes second is Toronto Blue Jays baseball. That's right. And they, and they own that. So the notion that it's, it's relevant to, you know, the quality of the entertainment or what the audience wants to see is nonsense. It's all about dollars and cents. It's about generating money. ESPN. Do you think ESPN would have led with, with hockey in the years when no. they didn't have hockey, did we know we, well, we know we know they buried it at the half hour. Right. Thank you. Yeah, and I to to that point, I remember uh, um, Jack Edwards, the flamboyant play-by-play man of the Boston Bruins. Um, you know, he had used he used to work for ESPN, and I remember covering a playoff series shortly after he had become the play-by-play guy for the Bruins. Uh, we met him at a local Boston watering hole, I'm, I'm and he shocked. said. Yes, as a shock to no one. And he pointed out, he said, I'll tell you, it'll be the first story after the third commercial break is the first time they'll talk about hockey. And I started watching. And for three consecutive days, he was exactly right. That's where it was slotted into. And as far as this other argument about Little Rock and stuff like that, I understand they're trying to spread revenues. Guys, this is the argument that we've had for decades mm-hmm. um, in your, you know, in our previous uh, professional lives. And at some point, I don't give a rat's, you know what, about them trying to put a square peg in a round hole to try to get people to watch if they don't like it. I, if you don't like it, I don't care. What they're trying to do, though, um, and what you saw, and I don't know how this reflects in terms of revenues, is, is make more of a connection, not only in North America, but where they do give a damn about the sport around the world. So that's why you've got Finnish television doing it, games live uh, at the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's why you've got Swedish television doing it. And that's why you're putting games over there. OK, um, you know, try to saturate and get revenues from places where they give a damn and stop giving a damn to try to put it into places where people just don't care. Um, I'm somewhere yeah. in the middle on that one. And I, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you where I tell you where I think that one of the sports great failings is, is not, is not developing character and not, not spending, investing the time to tell us who these players are. That I agree with Kev. Because to the, because the, to the casual, if you will, the guy who stumbles on the game, if he doesn't understand it, it's going to take him a while to grasp the game, right? If he doesn't know the rules, he doesn't know offside, doesn't know icing. It, it takes a while. I mean, we forget that. We, we got it from birthright. We watched it forever. We, we know. So what, what is going to hook the guy if he stumbles on it and doesn't even know what the hell they're doing out there? Storytelling. Storytelling. Yeah. No, and, I agree. And the league and the PA and the players, that they don't do it. They haven't done it. And the irony to that is, it's 60 minutes of play and 36 minutes of intermission. There is no sport. There is no sport that has that ratio. And what do they do with the 36 minutes of intermission? Oh. You know, they Talking go heads. the same old rope bullshit of, you know, talk to the guy as he's sweating. He comes off the ice and give us these plat. How about some character development? Yeah. How, about, how about speaking to the guy in Arkansas who can understand that this guy, second pairing defenseman, just lost his mom and dad, right? Yeah. You know, you know this, this guy is an organ donor or something. Give us something other than what we've watched for decades. It all turned into a dumpster fire after Shani left. So, Shani, I'm going to throw it to you. Like, I mean, <laughs> what is with these panels and it's just talking heads, period, intermission after intermission after intermission? What happened to these? You know, Jesus. I know, see, I understand that now because you have these pregame shows that that's where you see more of these things, but I'm not sure people tune into those to uh, tune into those pregame shows. Whereas if you have it in the intermission um, and I know John, you, you know, when you were pulling the strings, there was a hell of a lot more storytelling in the intermissions than there are now. Well, let me tell you something. John and I used to have, we had more than a few conversations, he and I, in our little office 
in the corner of the newsroom at Sportsnet <laughs> when, when, when Sportsnet bought the rights. And we talked about and did pitch um, to Keith Pelly, who will be on later this week, by the way, in another role, um, the notion of doing features during the intermissions. Yep. And we thought here was a perfect opportunity to get rid of the mindless talking heads, with due respect, who really have nothing to say or nothing to contribute, and put something on that will tell a story, a mini documentary, an yeah. eight, seven, eight minute documentary, something three of interest. Minutes. Three minutes of good, good, good TV. Yeah. But yes. you know what the problem is? Cost money. And it costs many times what it costs to put a bunch of pretty boys on a set. Correct. I, I, I don't buy that as much as other people do, but you're not wrong. The one thing I would say is that what we have seen on every broadcast now, local, national, Canadian, American, is things that are easy to do and cheap to do. Those, that is really what's, you know, there, there is very I would little. I juxtapose those two, John, cheap and then easy. Well, and, and. <laughs> And what's happened really is, is there, there needs to be very little pre-planning for what happens in the intermissions. Yeah. And, you know, it used, it, it, it's, I know I, I, I'm, I'm preaching to the guys that know it, but this is not as simple as, you know, turning a camera on and speaking to do quality television. It needs, it takes time and you need the thought process to tell us that story. You know, I, I, you know, just as an aside, I, I sat at home and I watched, I watched 56 nights of hockey, 56 nights of hockey. My wife thinks I'm crazy. You are. She's um, right. That's it's not glorious. Watching hockey. And, and, and on, on game five in Denver, the one that you love so much, Mike, I texted a friend of mine and said, you know what, you know, you know, there's a really good story. There's a really good story out there. When you think of Palat and Kucherov, and Cooper. There's somebody missing in the puzzle. There's somebody missing. Who's missing in the Palat, Kucherov, Cooper story? Really simple. And that's Tyler Johnson. Yep. Uh, Tyler Johnson, who was one of the triplets in Norfolk when they won the American League Championship, went and they played together and he was had that bad wrist against Chicago in the 2015 final. Wouldn't Tyler Johnson have a really neat perspective to watch his friends and his old team try to win a third cup? Wouldn't that be a good little story? Yeah. Right. I mean, so I, I texted somebody and suggested it. John, you know, it's something, yeah, that you're exactly right. And, and you know, uh, to my point earlier, you know, as we go into the series, wouldn't it be cool to have some footage or some interviews of Brad Marchand, Nathan McKinnon, and Sidney Crosby skating together in the summer. No, well, it's a fee. This is the kind of thing I'm talking about. But that's but they're little, problem, th little those features. Those aren't those aren't hundreds of thousands of dollars to do. They're not. When you consider the amount of money that has been spent on hockey. Well, on no, wait a second. If you're going to produce mini documentaries, and you're and you're going to try and fill up um, as many nights as you have over the course of a year. It's a lot of money. Yeah, but it's a lot of money, it. a lot of travel, a lot of people. No, no, you don't have it, it Bob. I'm sorry. That's that. It, it that's that's the misnomer about this. We are not. You're not producing. You know, a Martin Scorsese film every night. Why? You, know, you don't need to. You can no, tell because you can, you can take a couple of talking heads and no, stick no, them on a no, set. No, you, well, which that, is which is what you learned to do when you were running Hockey Night in no, Canada. That, well, you know that. I crap. get it. You know that. I just think you there's a better crap. way. You, that's crap, and you know it. We're we talking, we're we're talking we about. We did, we're we did, talking what, about expand, uh, trying to do something different, expand the audience profile, give them some knowledge. Sure. And sell the game. But, and these you, stories but, but sell. you don't need to blow. You don't need to blow a billion dollars to do it. That's my point. You can do it efficiently and nobody wants to do it efficiently. Well, I didn't, I don't, you're the first one to mention a billion. Um, I don't know what the number is, but I know it's more than what it would take for three or five or seven minutes of guys on a set that I yeah. know. An added fact here, too, is they, they, they increasingly build this army uh, of staff, and I, I mean this as a compliment, 
on, on the NHL.com side. Yeah. They are developing good stories in, in, in the digital print narrative. So they've got people in the, in the system, if you will, churning these stories. Then it becomes, okay, how good do point. I, how do I convey this to electronics? And John, yeah. you know this far better than I do. Uh, it, it, the cost of that isn't what it was 20 years. You don't necessarily need the sound people, the lighting people, the guys carrying the cameras. I mean, you know, you, you can do a pretty good job now with these, right? Well, by the way, there, Jeff, there thanks, for the, thanks for the shout out. And uh, there's a number of steak dinners in your future. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, we, we, we've got uh, maybe three minutes here. Um, who's the biggest name free agent you expect to move? Oh, it Kadri. might be Kadri now. Oh, Kadri. And, you know, I mean, he just he just coming back and winning the cup, but scoring a winning goal in overtime. Uh, and sorry, Kev, no matter how many guys were on the ice at the time. Um, <laughs> and, and, and the way that he scored that just builds it up. But, you know, this is a guy that's 31 years old and, you know, he has offensive flair. He's got sandpaper. Uh, there's going to be general managers that think, oh, he's going to be perfect. And he, he, maybe he will be for three or four years, Bob. But if he gets a seven or eight year deal um, that he's probably going to be looking for, add up the beads on the abacus. How old is that he well, going to be at the end of that deal? There's yeah. only one, one team that can give him eight years right now. So, yeah, and, uh, and they're not and they, and, and they can't afford They got to pay McKinnon. Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, I think you have to look at Johnny Goodrow, too. Yeah. I think you have to wonder what's going to happen with him. Uh, and, and then you got, I, I, I still think the two guys in Pittsburgh are, are guys that are going to be uh, going to have uh, create a little bit of demand. That's Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang. He, and he's not of that ilk, but boy, do I love Palat's game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah he's on the list too, isn't he? Yes, yeah. He is. And, and, you know, but again, you, you're talking, if, if, if the discussion, I guess, with the guys you're talking about with Malkin and, and, and Kadri are, franchise pieces Pilat is not franchise piece but man what he means to what he means to a team is is 12 game winning playoff goals i mean that's that's just incredible the other thing is bob who's going to be moved in a trade i mean you know you hear that the blackhawks are trying to move to brink it um when have we seen a guy that arguably hasn't even hit the peak of his career uh and is 24 years old maybe going to be moved and and Kev, is there anything to this stuff about the Bruins potentially moving Pasternak? Because that shocks me. That really does. Yeah, I, I would. I would be equally shocked, if not more, on, on because because of because of age, because of what he does, because of his, yeah. his attraction, and especially in a market that's struggling. I I I can't see that. I just can't. The other two guys that I think are going to be traded this summer to are Mark Shifley. I think yes. he's he's done in Winnipeg and JT Miller in Vancouver. I think that though both of those guys that uh, and both both Kevin Sheveldayoff and Jim Rutherford are going to want a king's ransom for both of them. Uh, we got to go, but you know one of the issues that we debate from time to time is the salary cap, the legitimacy, the necessity of it. But um, that and more than anything else will inhibit a lot of the moves, the intriguing off-season things that um, could happen. And it'd be nice if you could figure out a way to accommodate some of these moves within the salary cap environment, but I don't know how to do it. Well, that's, that's a topic for another day and probably another, another host. Cause I don't <laughs> know where you go with it. Well, we're, we're capped out with hosts. So uh, guys, fascinating. Um, as always take the summer off what's left of it. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. We thank you for joining us uh, today and always. Uh, we appreciate it greatly. All the best. All right, Thanks, boys. guys. Have a great, great summer. Zeisberger, DuPont, we'll come back and wrap it after these messages. Our thanks to Zeisberger and DuPont for uh, joining us on the program. And we won't, you know, hockey, hockey conversation won't stop in the summertime. It'll, no. it'll, it'll slow down a little bit, but. Well, we got a couple of guys coming on in the next couple of weeks, so. Would you like to uh, tell us? No, no. Okay. Because what happens is people listen to the podcast and then they phone and say, well, you're going on with McCowan and Shannon. You better come on with us. We, we, got, we don't want that. Oh, I see. <laughs> Spoken like a true producer.
That's right. <laughs> they don't want to come on with us. They don't have to come on with us. We're not, we're not beggars. Really? <laughs> I'll talk All to right. the producer about that. <laughs> Occasionally. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting, the Kadri situation, not to dwell on it. Yeah. But he's 31 years old, right? Yep. He's exactly the age, if I remember correctly, when free agency started. Wasn't that where you had to be? Yeah, that's right. 31? Yeah, it was. That would long. So what was that done in 2004? That's when free agency dipped to 26, 26 or 27, yeah. Yeah, and, and the intriguing thing was guys were getting five, six, seven, eight-year contracts, and the acknowledgement was, the guy's only going to be good for two or three years, yeah. and then it's, he's going to be a, a diminishing asset. Yeah. And I wonder whether Kadri, I mean, I know he'll get some money, but will he get the kind of term that he probably um, wants? You, I mean, I think he will ask for a seven-year deal. Well, I, think I know would, you do, and, and I wouldn't and, be surprised either. And, and, would you give and, it to him? No, but I also wouldn't give him $9 million, and I think he's going to ask for $9 million. Well, which would you rather give him? Would you rather give him uh, seven for seven, or would you rather give him nine for five? I I, I am a, re a real believer these days, Bob. Is, is term kills, term of contract kills. I will try to get you on the shortest possible contract. I and might you'd rather overpay for it. I I think I'd rather overpay for it. Yeah, I don't disagree. Then then saddle the organization. For a time when you're on the on the other side of the hill going down, you know. Yeah, I don't disagree with you at all, um, but it's not easy to get that because there's nope. always somebody out there who, reluctantly or otherwise, will give give you an, give a guy an extra year or two. And it's we've seen there are good examples of it in the last few. Jacob Markstrom is the best example in the last couple of years. Yeah, there's plenty of them really out there. Uh, we got to go. We thank uh, again Dupont and Zeisberger for joining us. For John Shannon, Bob McCowan. We'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>